an investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Welcome to the show, everyone. Approaching the end of September. Today is Thursday, the 22nd. Uh, the warmer weather is starting to subside and uh, looks like things are cooling off in the, in the uh, inflation realm of things as well. The Federal Reserve met yesterday, and we're going to run through some of these stock market updates that I think are pretty important. Sam, why don't you dive into that? Yeah, so actually I was reading the Wall Street, uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, I believe it was a couple of days ago, and the first thing I read was them calling uh, the stock performances last week nerve-wracking declines. You think? So that's always fun to hear. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, we're, we're down all across the board. Um, more specifically, pretty much every major index is down about 5% over the past five days. Uh, over the past month, everything's about 10% negative or so. Now, the year-to-date numbers are starting to get a little ridiculous. Uh, the Dow Jones are down about 17%. Uh, the S&P 500 down about 21%. And listen to this, the NASDAQ, we're down about 30 again uh, year-to-date. And even the Russell 2000 is back over 20% loss. We're at about a 23% loss. So things have uh, definitely taken a turn for the worse, obviously, for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's those are not pretty numbers you just read. I know we are kind of retesting the June lows and going back and forth. It's like a bouncing ball. Um are we going to make you know make some headway and start to see things improve, or are we going to lose more and more money throughout the remaining months in the year? Uh, there's only a few. We're going to be closing out the third quarter here soon, and that just leaves a couple trading months uh, left in the year in all of 2022. And I didn't like any of those numbers you read. I don't know why you would. No, no, not unless we're betting against the market, which we are not doing currently. Let's dive into the sectors of the market that we like to take a look at, some that have been profitable at least to some extent, and others not faring so well. First, let's start off with the the best performing, which is the Energy Select Spider ETF, the XLE. This is the energy sector. Year-to-date is up about 33.5%. Obviously, it was higher than that before. It's been trending somewhat sideways lately. Uh, there's been a couple dips, which we looked at as buying opportunities, but I know there's still some looming things going on in Russia um, with pipeline supply and oil, and there's a lot of other factors that um, are com- composed com- comprise the energy select spider. Um, you know, I think of colder months, colder weather. We mentioned the summer ending. We're all going to be using more and more either electricity, natural gas, propane things like that to heat and keep us warm. And then how about the real estate sector? It's XLRE year to date is down about 26%. I know if you're in the market to buy a home, there's not much inventory. They continue to raise interest rates, which is not a good thing. 
So it's not painting a very pretty picture for those that are on the market for buying a home. Hold off on that home sale, Sam. Uh, the XLF, that's the financial sector ETF and year to date is down about 20%. And I did see, um, I did see the CEO of JP Morgan Chase just the other day um, talking about the economy and the state of the world right now and not looking good, kind of painting a very grim picture. FedEx reported the other day, same story. They have a pretty good handle on the market and the economy, the global economy, because they're shipping packages and whatnot. And when they look at troubles in the market, I like to listen. How about the cryptocurrencies? Have they been able to fend off any of these losses? Well, no, of course not. They're down. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, that's the GBTC, the biggest one, is down 66% year to date. No surprise there. Ethereum, that's ETH, is down 71%. The Litecoin Trust, that's LTC, is down 67%. So they're all, all three of the major ones are down 60 plus percent year to date. And then the asset class where I'd be getting more and more questions from folks wondering if gold is still a very good hedge against inflation. We're uh, fighting off inflation every day. This asset class, the GLD is down seven and a half percent. So to me, seven and a half percent negative in negative territory is not a very good hedge against inflation, given the current state of the economy and the market cycle. So I, I think it has people scratching their head wondering, where do we go? Do we stay invested? It's really tempting people's faith in the market and uh, thinking, am I doing the right thing by investing? I guess what's the alternative? Putting money in a savings account? I mean, yeah, we talk about this all the time. Uh, obviously, you know, these numbers that we've been talking about are not good. But uh, if you just stuff something into a savings account, you know, you don't have the potential to get better. So, yeah, the numbers are bad now, but are they going to be permanent? Probably not. It's just a matter of how long, right? Yeah. When you look at the two-year treasury, 10-year treasury, let's say you get 2 or 3%, um, that sounds great, right? Um, but when you see the inflation numbers at 8 9 plus percent, you know that the value of the dollar is going down. It's not even keeping up with inflation. Yeah, it's safe as far as principle. But I'd say, you know, when we look at forecasts and things like that, that we're heading to to maybe finding a bottom. I'm hopeful that, you know, by the first or second quarter next year, we'll create some uh, somewhat of a bottom where we can feel more comfortable with that. I don't think that we've seen the bottom just yet. We're going to really? retest that. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not the most popular person in the room with that theory, but unfortunately, I don't think that we've found the bottom yet. I could be wrong, right? It's possible. It's possible, but um, you're probably right based <laughs> on the things I've seen. So I know. Well, the, the Fed continues to reiterate the fact that they're going to be hawkish. They're going to continue raising rates. They have not got a very good handle on inflation yet. And their main job is to do just that. We do have a workshop that's coming up October 14th. We've now offered it to our existing clients and opened it up uh, with a bigger room to anybody from the public that wants to attend and get a market update, not only hearing from David and myself, but from other strategic partners from First Trust and Pacific Life. So if you want to join in on the event, I'm going to have a link in this episode where you can click and register, save your seat. There is limited space that's going to be held at Nochino, 
Ristorante and Eastview Mall at 11.30, Lunch and Learn. Should be a fun event and I think a pretty good turnout. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving? Help you generate income when you need it most and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast here at Monarch Wealth Management. My name is Sam Guelli alongside Constantine Kitronos. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was reading the Wall Street Journal and something that popped out a little bit to me, Cons, was uh, something about international stocks and how the dollar is holding up to some other currencies. And I have a quick question for you to start off. Uh, what's your like general uh, opinion on international stocks? Do you like to uh, get customers involved with them or what do you think? Great question. Um, It's not the first time we've heard this question. We've been through a number of seminars and workshops with strategic partners in the last decade where they've been touting. This is the year Mm -hmm. for international. It's cheap relative to the U.S. stock market. We, We need to diversify. We need to continue to invest. Okay, so my ears perk up. And I think anyone who's investing money in the stock market would perk up when they hear a sale, a discount, something trading um, at a lower multiple than some of the stocks that we find here in the U.S. So that's the initial thought. And then you start diving into things and there's a reason they're cheaper, right? So um, the other part is how much do you allocate to an international portfolio, whether it be emerging markets, the smaller underdeveloped countries, they have a lot of potential, um, but still have a, a lot of a lot of room to go as far as building infrastructure and expanding and growing and stability and things like that. So when we hear from these strategic partners, and we've heard from them in the last decade, this is the year for international, and they're pounding the table on it. What they're saying is you should allocate thirty to forty-five percent of your money in the international space. That much it seems crazy. Seems crazy. First of all. The majority of the companies that are domiciled here in the U.S. that, you know, that have a a plant in Carolina or Georgia or Texas or Florida produce a product or service something, chances are they have some international exposure, right? Let's just take a very basic company like Coca-Cola. You can buy Coke here. You can buy Coca-Cola in Africa. You can buy it in Spain and Italy. So to me, even though it's a U.S.-based company, You've got places exposure all over the world. Wouldn't you say that's kind of investing, uh, you know, with a pretty broad uh, exposure? Yeah. You know, I mean, so you're, so you're capturing something. I get that you're not just domiciled outside the country and there's currencies that are involved and um, some political things that they could impact returns when you look at a company that's just based outside the U.S. So with that said, I mean, we've always kind of had an underweighting in, in the international space, maybe 5% or so, mm. maybe in some cases 10 on the high end, maybe 15, uh, even that. Um, but looking back, now that we know the answers, it's always great to go back to the test when you have the answer sheet. Mm. In the last decade, that has not panned out. Yeah, it has so not outperformed the U.S. Right. My next question to you was, uh, 
Um, the U.S. dollar is right now dominant. Uh, and if you compare it to, for example, the Japanese yen, it's uh, the highest value relative to in the past 25 years. And I, I think the dollar just surpassed the euro for the first time in about 20 years, too. And that's not good for international stock returns. So my question is, are you like trying to lower the percentage of um, international stocks you have your customers in? Or is, are you just kind of going with the flow, maybe keeping an eye on it? Um, yeah, good question. Like I said, our our traditional exposure to the international space has been on the lower end, 5 10%. I'd say about a year and a half ago, we started to lower that uh, even more because the returns in the U.S. were so strong. Mm. PE multiples continue to expand. I just don't think that it's a safe place to be yet. I think that Europe has a number of challenges. You think of... Um, obviously the war right now in Ukraine and Russia, and there's still some battles between uh, the political end of things, uh, not just the the men and women fighting on the, on the field, on the battlefield. But um, you look at a lot of propaganda and just over the weekend, you saw that Putin made an address to his country, his nation and said uh, pretty, and that, that address really happened for the first time since the war started. Since last, what was it, the end of 2020, early 2021 when the invasion started? And so, you know, he, he made this, this statement, a pretty bold statement, I would say, is that if, you know, there are countries that will impede on his, his territories and infringe on his country's protection and freedom, right, they, they could pay the price mm -hmm. by way of nuclear warheads or some other yeah, element that they that. have access to. That's well, pretty scary stuff, I, right? Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out how he thinks that nobody thinks he's crazy. Like, does he really think people are going to take him seriously? Like his own citizens. Um, I agree. And I saw that he he planned to annex more parts of Ukraine. Um, and I think I saw something about sending even more troops, like via a draft or something like that. Um, I think it's about 300,000 troops, which yeah, is, you know, pretty that, I think I saw. big amount. Right. I, I think it's awesome how Ukraine is like stifling them. As Isn't that good insane? As I think it's awesome. And they haven't really had, you know, that much help from other countries, but it's pretty cool what they're doing. So. The sanctions and whatnot that all these big companies, you know, from shutting down satellites and uh, giving access to the Ukrainians to capital and being able to move money around quicker, mm. um, you know, and then the sanctions. So the financial aspect, I think, is kind of a joke, right? So the Russian trading market has been shut down for a while. Uh, depending on the trading platform that you use to buy stocks and whatnot, there's usually a big prompt that says you cannot buy Russian securities. Really? It's been like that for a long time now. Mm. And, um, you know, so I, when you talk about exposure to international stocks, it, I do have some concerns. Yeah. The euro is, like you said, trading, I think at 98 cents on the dollar. We mentioned it before. Dave and, and Jay were in Macedonia and Greece and the cost of, of goods and services there is, I mean, our dollar goes a long way. Yeah. You yeah, know, Jay so was telling me a little bit about that. Oh yeah, you could live like a, a king there. Yeah. <laughs> you could, um, but yeah, there's some concerns. I think you know, and and now we have uh, the 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 queen that's passed, and you have uh, a new king, and um, I think a lot of moving parts in Europe and in the international space, currency issues, some regulation, uh, and then what about oil? 
So when you think about the energy dilemma that's going to be looming for us here as we approach December and the cold months, Germany and Russia have this deal uh, in place and it kind of screwed everybody in Europe right now. And, you know, he makes these threats. Uh, Putin makes these threats that he's going to um, shut off natural uh, resources to a lot of these countries that are going to be depending on it. And so that'll drive the cost. So when you limit supply, obviously it's going to, if the demand even stays the same, which I think it will increase yeah. because we need to stay warm to survive. Um, these countries are going to be paying more for their energy. And, and that's including us. My wife said to me the other day, she says, Gosh, did you see our, uh, did you see our rg &E bill, gas and electric? Um, I'd say it's up of maybe 17, 18%. She said, is the meter wrong? Is it broken? I said, it's not broken. That's a price increase. Jeez. And I think we're going to have to get used to that. You know, you, th you think of cost of goods and services going up. I mean, the best way to hedge against inflation uh, is not your savings account paying 2%, but your principal is safe. It's not stuffing it in your mattress. Uh, I, I would say it's probably not in the international space either. <laughs> yeah. But stocks have been the best place to be to hedge against inflation, to make sure that your dollar is not eroding your spending power. And uh, yeah, it might get bumpy for the next year too. I'm not thrilled to say that. Uh, I, you know, I have clients to answer to and, and we have a duty, a, a fiduciary responsibility to be a good steward of assets for these people. And we consider them to be friends and family and many of them are. So, uh, you know, we're going to be, working very hard to find places that will earn and outpace inflation, give some protection. And in many cases, I think sometimes principal stability is going to be more important than um, gambling or risking and in, in buying asset classes that might have potential, but could lose a lot of money for our clients. Yeah. So we don't want to do that. So I think avoiding those places is, is relevant in today's market. Sure. To answer your question about international. You can yeah, feel how strongly sure. I, I, I yeah, am about. I definitely, uh, definitely got an opinion from you on the international space. Now, we're not shorting Europe or um, the international space, but there are some inverse base funds where you can profit when those uh, prices are going down. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it just obviously kind of from what you said, it just makes more sense to stay in America. I think so. so. And, and, you know, with the market coming coming down in price that reduces the price to earnings multiple. So the, the companies that you can buy real companies that make real things are going down in price. I would call that a sale. You know, if you're going to buy a good quality company and you're able to buy it at 25 or 30% less, it might not be the very bottom, but that's a better entry point than paying full price. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, what the the end of the article in the Wall Street Journal kind of suggested. They were like, is this a good time to get into international stocks with them being so low? But based on what you said and the conversation we had, I I, I don't really think so. Not but, yet. I mean, there has to be some catalyst to say on the horizon there's some stability mm -hmm. and things can improve. I just don't think we're there yet. Yeah. I don't. So we're still underweight. Um, quite a bit on the international space. I hope that helps. Yeah. And again, not to reiterate this, but we are having a uh, market update event where we'll talk more about some of our sector um, allocations and where we're looking to make money in places that we would traditionally not go. Um, 
And we just rattled off the major indices, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, and the Russell, um, all were negative, right? Big time. And you look at the NASDAQ, which is, you know, in bear market territory, just like the others. There are some sectors, like we went through the energy sector, that is positive. And we still see some catalysts in commodities and things like that that we would not typically go. But you'll hear more about that on October 14th, Friday, if you do attend the event. With that, I think this is a good place to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Sam, what did I mention to you earlier and we were talking and, and you had a question, I know. Why don't you jump into that? Yeah. So you mentioned that September is uh, National Health Insurance Month or Life Insurance Life Insurance. Month. Life Insurance Month. Awareness. Awareness Month. Right. First of all, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, <laughs> like pizza seems, day? Yeah. It kind of seems like a boring, you know, awareness month, but um, I guess it's relative to what we do and our, and our customers. So uh, yeah, I was wondering, you know, why is that relevant? And what does it mean for our customers? Yeah, I I think that, first of all, life insurance, any type of insurance usually is quote unquote sold. Mm -hmm. It's not bought. People don't come in and say, I'd like to start paying some life insurance premiums. Do you you have any options for me? You know, it's usually, it starts off with a discussion, right? And awareness is one way that we can bring light to that to, to remind folks, if you're married, if you have kids, if you have liabilities, if you have obligations that you want to protect in the event of loss, right? We have a way to help you and your family. And there's all kinds of insurance. I'm not going to get into the particulars, but just knowing that this month is a way for us to vocalize and remind people that there are ways to protect your family for loss of income, through disability, um, through loss of uh, assets, to paying down uh, any liabilities, to paying off a mortgage, to replacing income for a spouse, to maybe funding college for your kids. There are ways, there are avenues. And if you're, you're relatively healthy and I'd say under age 50, you can do that with pretty small dollars um, to protect pretty much everything that you want to have happen if God forbid something happens to you or your spouse. So yeah, that's why I think it's important because without us bringing that to light, if we simply just met with clients, kept our blinders on and just talked about stocks and bonds investments and never touched the insurance side of things, I will tell you that life happens and, uh, it, things happen pretty quickly. Um, and when they do, if you haven't prepared for them properly, the family may come to you and say, well, geez, you know, you worked with my husband, Johnny, or my wife, Susan, and you never addressed this issue. They just passed away last week. What am I going to do? 
You know how awful that conversation's got to be for an advisor that never brought it up? Now, life insurance awareness is to bring awareness. If you feel comfortable and adequate that, look, my spouse is self-sustaining. They have a fantastic job, a career path. We have plans in place and ways to um, offset the loss in income. Fine. That's okay. As long as there's a plan in place. And that's what I think it's about is just bringing awareness. There's all kinds of insurance. There's permanent policies. There's policies you can rent for 10 years or 20 years, kind of like leasing a car. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that's what the the majority of this is. Now on the uh, Limra website, which is uh, an insurance-based website, talking about some of the statistics. Now, the percentage of Americans that actually own life insurance, any idea what the stats are? Man, um, if I had to guess, I'd say less than 50% of Americans. Close, 68. Mm. So 68% own life insurance. Um, and, you know... They have the majority of their expenses and liabilities covered for in that. And I think that's pretty, that's pretty important. Um, of the folks who do have some insurance, about 41% of them have enough insurance to satisfy everything that they want. Right. So Limer is a, a good resource, I think, for a lot of misconceptions about life insurance. Um we are not insurance agents where we just offer that product. I know there are some companies and some folks who chose that route that offer life insurance and that's their main source of income. So you could come in today, buy a life insurance policy, and then next year, guess what you're buying? Another policy and the year after that, buying another policy. So um, there are some benefits and drawbacks to doing that, um, but I would argue that more than likely it will help support that agent financially and make more sense for that person versus you buying a policy that you need. It's kind of like buying a car versus leasing it. If you lease the car and you extrapolate the cost of those car payments over the next 20 years, if you had bought a car, held onto it for five, 10 years, sold it, had some equity, you'd be better off, right? Yeah. Financially. So I think that's important. Uh, just knowing that we offer those services, I think is a huge value add to our clients and knowing that we can help protect. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons you would have the insurance, but uh, estate planning is another one. Anyhow, we have uh, open enrollment for a lot of folks coming up. We're heading into the October, November area, which for folks who work for a company, that's the time where you make your 401k elections, your healthcare choices, and among other things, if you're a retiree, right, open enrollment for uh, Medicare. And we want to have a special guest on. I know we had to reschedule. I was feeling a little under the weather. Was it a week ago or so? Uh, yeah. So we definitely want to make sure that we get an expert in here because an expert, I am not in that field. Uh, how about the Federal Reserve? What's going on with interest rates? The Fed met yesterday, right? Yeah, I think Did you hear raised, what happened? They raised another 75 points. Right? Another 75 basis points. And that's exactly what we predicted, what we expected. I had hoped for maybe one and a half or two. And again, don't kill the uh, reporter. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just here trying to make sense of it. Now, the one thing I will say on the positive note, although it's, it's crushing stocks right now, and the market was positive maybe two or 300 points yesterday before the announcement. By the end of the day, it was down 500. Of course. So you're you're talking, if you think about it, that's an 800-point swing. Yeah. Right? Just 
intraday in one day. Um, I also look at it if we have to put a positive spin on things. That's a commitment from the Fed to attack inflation, which means making sure that our the value of the dollar, the purchasing power of our dollar over the next 20 years, if you're retired or depending on income and want this money to be worth something, they need to fight inflation now, which means we're going to pay for it temporarily in the next month or two months or three months or eight months. I forecast at some point, maybe midpoint next year, we reach a bottom, if we want to call it that, and maybe crawl our way out of that. But I like that. I, I'm actually I'm actually liking the tone that the Fed is having. I just wish they were a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. So the Fed's forecast for GDP next year is about 1.2%, uh, not very promising. And unemployment at about 4.4%. Still uh, a pretty wide disparity between the number of bodies that could fill open positions. And when I talk to business owners, and they just can't find help. There's so many jobs open and available. They say unemployment is near record lows, but there's no people to work. So, and then you hear about all the layoffs, right? So you think of like Facebook, Google, Amazon, everybody's laying off, yeah. right? But it seems like the small to mid-sized companies, the local companies are all looking for help, for good help, for for good, talented people. And it seems like a lot of people just don't want to work. They're living off COVID money. And uh, I don't know. I mean, how long can that go? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Good question, right? Uh, what else is going on? Market impact to the peak Fed funds rate at 4.5% in March 2023. So... LPL Research sends us these reports and they're anticipating by March of next year that things will be more tame. Um, so that could be a good thing for the, the stock market. A catalyst enough? I don't know. I mean, we have to have good earnings as well. But if they're going to stop or slow down rates by March, that could be a good thing. I feel like they said that a few months ago about the fall. <laughs> and yeah, know, yeah right? here we are. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the Fed is behind the ball. I mean, the fear is, is that they overdo it, right? Mm. They slow it down so much that they just stall momentum and it will take a couple of years to recover. That's not a good thing. Um, I don't think they've overreacted at this point. I think they're late to the game. Yeah, we know that. I've been saying that for a while, but we can't change the past, right? Yeah. So with that, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for listening to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here with my co-host, Sam Gwelly. We will see everyone next week. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial signing off. 
The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC.